I absolutely love that. And what's coming up for me as you talk about being able to sit with all these feelings is this idea between responding and reacting. And I notice since I've become a mum, there's thousands of opportunities every day to just react, to lose it, to shout, to spike that cortisol, the stress hormone in my body from, you know, gosh, the meltdowns and the myriad of things that happen with young children. And I'm wondering how meditation and this idea of finding freedom from our triggers and our thoughts can help us in our parenting. That's a really good question. And I think it's important to make this very practical because what I've been talking about so far does sound very idealistic. And, you know, we're talking about sitting in retreats and being a monk in a monastery, and that can seem very unrelatable. And it's not like that, really. Everybody can practice these techniques in any situation. And what you said just then about how in being a mother, there are so many opportunities to lose your temper or to get that cortisol spike. But the word is opportunity, isn't it? So in the same way that it's an opportunity to lose your temper, it's also an opportunity for meditation. There's an opportunity to work with that energy. And on a very practical level, I would say that even with a very busy lifestyle, being a mum or also working or in these busy life situations, Everybody can take five or 10 minutes at some point during the day to meditate. So you've got your daily time for yourself where you are working with your mind. But then also in the heat of the moment, in those situations where you're feeling stressed, you can do micro meditations, micro moments of mindfulness while you're tying the shoelaces of your kids so they're all shouting and screaming or whatever, or while you're getting them into the car or while you're going to work or while you're washing your hands, brushing your teeth, any of these moments can be used as mindful experiences. And what that means is that you're training yourself throughout the day in states of calm and being present. It doesn't mean you end up kind of floating around in a serene state. You live your life and life can be crazy, but you've got this inner strength that you can keep going back to through these moments of mindfulness. And then it means that the stressful moments have become opportunities for mind training. I think what I find so fantastic about meditation, and I'd love you to help the listeners unpack this as well, is that actually it would be good to hear the brain chemistry behind meditation. Because what I notice is that the more I meditate, the calmer and the better able I am to handle all of those things. So what's happening in in our brains as we sit for those 10 minutes a day? Why is it that it brings so much calm? Well, I don't know if it's just doing the 10 minutes immediately puts you into a state of calm. I mean, it can be that you can feel quite relaxed after doing your meditation, but it's more an accumulative thing. It's through doing that every day or as much as possible every day, over time, you start to evolve into a more at peace and less stressed. So it's a kind of building up over time. And in terms of brain chemistry, what you're doing is you're training yourself to be less in that fight or flight state. So the brain is going to be creating less of that cortisol, adrenaline, You know, there's a part of the brain called the amygdala, and the amygdala is that stress reactor. It's the part of the brain that activates the fight or flight response. And it's way too overactive in all of us. We're all so primed for stress all the time. 
and our bodies are producing too much cortisol, that chemical of stress. It's a natural part of human life, but maybe there's too much of it nowadays. We're not running from tigers. We're not in physical danger. Some people are, of course, but generally we're not in physical danger all the time. But our bodies react in the same way. Anytime there's any kind of pressure, the amygdala fires off warning signals, and then the body releases that flood of stress hormones. So meditation gets the amygdala to be less overreactive. Now, I once asked a neuroscientist, does the amygdala shrink when you meditate? And he laughed at me. He said, no, no, it doesn't shrink. You're just teaching it to react less so it becomes more stable. And you need the amygdala. You need that danger signal when you are in danger, but only then. The rest of the time, we could be more calm. This is what I find so fascinating is that our brains react in the same way to a major stress. Like you say, you know, back in the day, it would have been being chased by a tiger in exactly the same way to our phones pinging or our children screaming. So if we're not careful, we kind of can end up in that state of perpetual and chronic stress. Do you think there are lots of people living in that state, perhaps even unaware of it? And what are some of the clues that people are in that stress state? Well, I think that's what happened to me when I had that burnout in my early 20s, is that I was living in such a state of fight or flight all the time where it wasn't necessary. I wasn't in danger. My life was not in danger. I wasn't running from lions or tigers or people with guns. But my brain was reacting in the same way. And what happens eventually is you become so oversensitive to things that even one tiny thing going wrong in your day can feel like a huge disaster and everything just piles up. And I have a lot of sympathy for people experiencing that because I've been there myself and I know how prevalent that is, especially in modern life, is that people are overburdened, overstressed. Yeah, as you say, you could be burning out without even knowing it. I do think that meditation has now become almost like a matter of survival. We need it more than ever. And maybe that's why it's become so popular. People call it meditation. They might call it mindfulness. It's become really popular in the West, hasn't it? And I wonder if that's because we're so desperate for something to give us mental peace and reduce the stress. Because the things we do to reduce our stress, generally, they're not permanent. They're temporary fixes. Yeah, exactly. Like TV or wine, they don't work. They don't work for me. (laughs) Well, what lots of people do is they use substances that make their stress worse. I mean, the classic one is coffee and also alcohol. It can make you feel a bit better, but in the long run, you're just making it worse. And isn't it amazing to discover that you have within you the solution and the solution is just your mind and how to transform your mind? Just breathing can help. And that's your own breathing. That's with you all the time. Hi, I'm Lauren. And I'm Nicole. And if you enjoy this show, you will love our podcast, Self Care Club. Every week, we trial a different form of self care and report back on the results. We've tried everything from cuddle therapy, setting boundaries, laughter yoga, and many more. Two friends who rarely agree on anything, testing out the world of self care so you don't have to. We've even written a book dedicated to self care practices that cost you nothing. You can listen to Self Care Club wherever you get your podcasts. Or to purchase our book, search Have You Tried This on Amazon. <laughs> 